welcome to Beyond Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Monique Bathus, women's mentor, registered music therapist, and mum of two. And I am incredibly passionate about supporting mothers to thrive in all areas of their life, connect with the woman outside of the mama, and live a more peaceful life filled with joy and fulfillment. And in this podcast, we share tips, practical exercises, stories, and wisdom on all things motherhood and beyond. From relationships, maternal mental health and wellness, the challenges of motherhood, reclaiming your identity post becoming a mother and everything in between. Let's dive in. Welcome again to Beyond Motherhood. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Beyond Motherhood. I am very excited to have a special guest, my first guest on the podcast, which is awesome. Um, the lovely Erica Kesselman and we've been connected for a good couple of years now on the socials and I always love to see what she shares in the parenting realm and how to support children Um, and that is exactly why I invited her onto the podcast to to speak around how as as mothers we can move from feeling stressed and burnt out to feeling more connected and energized and how we can start to make some positive changes in our relationships with our kids so welcome Erica thank you so much Monique it's so wonderful to be here congratulations again on your podcast I'm delighted and looking forward to talking with you yeah me too thank you and yeah thanks for being here um I know all our time is precious especially as mum so I very much appreciate you taking the time out of your evening I think it is for you yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um so I just wanted to start off just letting the listeners know a bit about you what you do who you are where you're from all the things so I'll let you take yeah. it perfect thank you so much so um everybody listening I appreciate you being here and um as Monique said America Kesselman and I'm in the states I'm in Florida for those of you on this side of the world. And I'm a mom, a wife and mom of three. Um, and my oldest just turned nine. I have an um, older girl and a girl who is seven and a young boy who is five. Um, and I've, I'm a somatic coach and I've been coaching now for the past almost five years now, um, coming from a background of being in a teacher in a public school and a school administrator as a technology supervisor. Um, so I've always had a passion and a desire and just a natural interest in working with families and coaching, teaching, working with children in particular. And that was what my degree was in. I was went to school for psychology. I have my degree in psychology. So I was going to go the family psychologist route and just decided to work in public school setting on educational research and educational administration, especially with technology, the up and coming, you know, that was, you know, back like almost 15 years ago. So um, I've been deeply connected with supporting the family system from the inside out, like for as long as I could remember, you know, building strong relationships between parents and their children from the very beginning, uh, even early on when I was a babysitter and working as a lifeguard. And I saw like, these and especially obviously from my upbringing you know seeing your parents like working hard really doing the best they can with what they have all of the stress the struggles the strain that comes with like having the expectation the demand of 
making a living for yourself, providing for your family, right? And so families would come to me and wanting, you know, maybe for support for their children, whether it was swim lessons or in the school setting from wherever it, it was that I was um, supporting and coaching and facilitating and teaching. And I just had, I, it was just such a delight working with children and being able to give them the gift of that, seeing themselves in their passion and in their capacity and in their capabilities of like what they're good at good at like building their self-esteem and then obviously um teaching and or kind of guiding the parents to be able to capitalize on that and give them tools and skills to be able to bring um, that strong sense of esteem and empowerment and also just ease and flow in the home, in the family system. Obviously, um, so it my the trajectory of my growth moved from teaching to coaching this capacity in the somatic work because of my own personal history and journey in motherhood and parenting. So being that I was a young new mom, thinking that I knew what I was doing, thinking that I had it kind of all together, being that I um, had so much experience with child psychology, child development, I kind of understood the trajectory of growth and I knew how to communicate well with young children and adolescents even. Um, but it just, I was blown up, like I was shocked. I was just drawn to my knees and in uh, overwhelm. It was just overwhelm that um, the birthing process in and of itself, pregnancy was okay, you know, with the birthing process, pretty traumatic birth, birthing experience in the hospital. And I feel like that was the catalyst for some difficult things that I was experiencing then physically, emotionally, and mentally. Um, so I had my own journey of, of difficult challenge. Thankfully, I had a strong system in my family unit that helped support with my ability to cope. Without that, I know it would have been a lot worse. But definitely, you know, the dark thoughts, the exhaustion, the burnout, trouble with breastfeeding. Um, and um, I always kept it more of a positive mindset, but I felt like um, through, you know, my second pregnancy, third pregnancy, it felt like my emotions were just, at, I was at the mercy of my emotions. They just kind of were running the show all the time. Because even though I would have a plan to support myself or to speak more kindly, to speak more respectfully, um, to, to take care of myself, to enjoy the day, you know, kind of working with the mindset of positive thinking. Uh, I, I felt like the next, the drop of a hat, I, I was like yelling at my toddler or, you know, storming into my room, slamming the door, kind of having my own meltdown and tantrum. So I went into just this um, pattern of burning myself out and then being super reactive and mom rage. And it was really hard on my, um, like our family system, obviously for my daughter, my firstborn daughter, and for me, uh, my husband, there's just a lot of kind of more toxic behaviors and communication patterns that came out of, I felt like from me, my own emotional instability. So, um, you know, long story short, I mean, I got into the trauma work because I understood now that this is not just about psychology and cognition and changing your mindset. This is really about deep-rooted, deep-seated, stuck-stored emotional chronic stress and 
um, stored survival stress that just had been passed down generationally. So I'm here trying to like, you know, talk differently and have a plan and support myself with self-care, but it just wasn't working because my nervous system was so dysregulated. I had no idea how to soothe, how to relax, how to relax the body, how to um, build any self-regulation skills, right? You know, here we are like asking our children to self-regulate, mm -hmm. but you know, I couldn't even do it myself. And I didn't even really know and understand what that self-dysregulation meant, um, just the heightened activity of I needed to control, you know, so my, my story is like, I was a control freak. I was um, quite a perfectionist. And then I went into my patterns of when things weren't going the way I expected, I would, it would be like me in my fight or flight. And a lot of times it ended up me yelling. I'm really like, um, emotionally and, you know, pulling my kid, you know, telling them to go sit down or putting them in their car seat and just things that were felt horrible. So I got into that pattern of like, I'm feeling as a mom, totally burned out. Um, and I knew that I, I, I had to do something different. So my own personal journey led me into the work of conscious parenting, you know, inspired by Dr. Shafali, and then later into the work of trauma-informed education and um, psychosomatics. So working with the Embody Lab and working with um, somatic breathwork therapy and attachment therapy to be able to support my growth and then sharing that now with families to be able to support moms especially, um, but certainly like co-parenting and then children as well. Children who are maybe in insecure attachment patterns with their parents and they are in patterns of that heightened reactivity, flight, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, the people pleasing pattern, or just a lot of emotional instability. So giving them the tools, it's a lot about just how, what is happening here in my pattern and what tool am I going to be put in into practice to make a new program for myself, a new program for myself. So it's been amazing now coming, like seeing myself like through that and seeing, taking families through that journey. Um, that I feel like um, I'm just, I feel really honored and blessed and something is coming through me to be able to just support other families in this way. So yeah, that was, that's, that's like a, a long story of where, where I was, <laughs> but um, it was quite a, quite a, a, a 360 move into what I ever expected that, that I would really be doing, but I know that I feel like it's my calling and it just feels, it feels incredible to be able to um, embody what I want to practice and create that new way forward for, for our, for our community and for humanity in and of itself. So, yeah, for sure. And I, I can relate so much to your story as well. Um, particularly around, you know, I'm like always like positive thinking and like in that sort of mindset, but it's only one small piece of the puzzle, isn't it? And, yeah. I, before I was a mother and especially before I had my second son, um, I was like, I'm such a patient person and was mm -hmm. like, yeah, I got this. And then you become a mother and realize sometimes you feel like you don't got this and your yeah. emotions, as you said, start to run the show and you start to unravel all these patterns and cycles and things that have been passed down through generations and like you said our parents were doing the best they could with the resources they had but we have so much mm -hmm. more knowledge research and everything now showing the um 
you know, what it's actually doing to a child's brain and from our own perspective as, um, as parents and as adults, like how we can start to shift and break some of these cycles. Um, but yeah, it's been such exactly. an yeah journey for me as well, like just yeah. going, oh, nervous system, never learned about this and, and going through that whole process of starting to learn about, you know, my nervous system, my child's nervous system, how they connect together and, you know, I've heard about speaking about, you know, the family's nervous system because we mirror off each other and feed off each other, our nervous systems do. So, um, yeah. so, so you found that. yourself in a similar pattern that, that way, right? Like, was it, yeah, everybody, I, it was the hard, that was the, one of the hardest parts. Like, I remember um, knowing I wanted to start communicating differently instead of using rewards and threats and punishments and obviously yelling at my toddler. So she was about two when I then was doing, doing the research on respectful parenting and what that is and studied Magda Gerber, uh, Montessori, obviously, but that's more like educational style, but just kind of like Janet Lansbury. Yeah. Um, and here I am thinking, okay, I took a, you know, I have my degree in psychology. Like I know the attachment science and I've, I've shared this before and, and with some of my communities, like I know these things from my background. Or even just knowing like a mom really intrinsically does want to want to hold, want to want to nurture, want to care for and love. It's there, but it, it's so blocked by so much stored trauma that you're not even aware of. But I remember like picking up Dr. Shafali's book and being like, no, 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 this is not me. This has to be something that like my daughter has to work on. You know, she needs to yeah. change her behavior. So I think that was the hard part for me to then yeah. look at myself. I don't know if you found the same way. Then maybe it's something that you just decide like, okay, I want to do this differently but what makes it that, you know, I find that that's hard to kind of turn the lens back on yourself. And sometimes I feel like it takes a lot of just um, learning, the learning through failures, learning through mistakes, because yeah. you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the sticker chart. Oh, I'm going to like speak this way, or I'm going to, you know, take something away or try to change the behavior of your child. But then when you're, you're still in your pattern of, and you're not feeling good, you know, you're putting your head down to sleep at night and you're praying to God, like, you know, can next day, the next day be a little bit better or something like that. Um, and it just doesn't happen. I think for me, at least, I don't know if it was like that for you, that it's just like, you get to a point, it's like, I had a, a breakdown. Like I had a lot of breakdowns, but like there was, I know one pivotal moment where I had this epiphany and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like, I need to like really do something different and it was more me but I don't know if you had that experience but yeah for sure and I still have moments like of course but yeah. um, I yeah. think when we turn the lens on ourselves yeah it can bring with it guilt and shame and all those sorts of feelings yeah. because we're like yeah. have I totally screwed my kids up now like what is that saying yeah. about me and we yeah we can be yeah. of course our own worst critic and so harsh on ourselves um yeah. Yeah. but then on the flip side of that it's like well you know change can happen and we can um you know make those positive shifts and um reconnect with our kids and make those um changes that are going to create more peaceful environments within the home and even just internally as well connecting with ourselves in in a different way um that's that's been a huge piece for me as well of course obviously the relationship with our family and our children's absolutely so important, but it's also that relationship we have with ourselves as well. Um, yeah. Um, 
but thank you for sharing your story. Like I just think so many people and mothers would will resonate with that um, mm-hmm. because yeah, we've all we've all been there. But then it's like, how can we yeah. go from just having that awareness and the right. knowledge and all of that, exactly. to then you know making those changes? Mm-hmm. And you know, I see and hear and know so many so many mothers that are struggling and are so triggered by their kids' big big feelings and big behaviours and outbursts and all the things. Um, a big one for me at the moment is the talking back. <laughs> That's what I'm like. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, of course, this can lead to, you know, those perpetual cycles that we were talking about and then stress and burnout and just feeling disconnected from our kids. So I'd love to know, you know, how from going from that awareness to actually making some shifts, what would you suggest or recommend or some tips of advice of what what would be a first step or first steps for um, a mum who's really wanting to make some changes to create more connection and a peaceful home environment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a great question and a good point because the awareness part is huge. I mean, there's always so much it's not like it's going to happen even in a month or a couple of months, you know, every it's part of that process of deepening your self-awareness, like multiple self-awareness practices is like, all right. I mean, for me, one of the biggest changes would probably happen when you can start reflecting back. So it's like at the end of the day, just maybe journaling or thinking back, And of course, there's going to be maybe guilt or shame, but just taking an honest look at like what, what felt really uplifting, what felt really nice, what felt really good, like focusing on some of those glimmers and then really taking an honest look at maybe one part where, you know, is like a pain point, the transition, the getting breakfast ready, the car seat, um, the homework. So one part and just really looking at like, okay, how am I responding How is my child responding and being able to then take that next step after there's a lot of reflection comes more awareness of when you're in the moment being annoyed, aggravated, like your child's talking back to you and you're ready to snap or like take something away or you want to punish or, um, you know, being able to see that, are you deciding, are you deciding to, to not want to you know, yell, not want to punish, not want to walk away or what you need to decide what you're trying to change here. Like what behavior you're trying to change. I mean, if you're trying to change your child's behavior um, and what you're doing is not working, obviously you're looking for new tools and strategies. And one of the things that I think a lot of parents aren't aware of is that your child's in a stress response and you're in a stress response. I mean, a lot of times we're in our trauma responses, which is different than a trauma response, uh, than a stress response. But we need to look at this as like, you know, my child or teenager or even young adult, they have the immature brain and body. Immature brain, it's not fully developed, immature nervous system. I'm in my stress response. And in order to really make a connection and make help them make a change in their behavior, they need support way more than we do, right? But the challenge is like, we're so triggered. So the next step would be being, again, being able to 
in that situation, when your child is looking back or saying, no, I'm not doing that, you know, what are you deciding to change? You decide to change the fact that I'm not going to, you know, get into this power struggle with my child anymore over homework, right? So you're deciding, make a firm decision and commitment to yourself, like a devotion, you know, this one specific time, whether it's the car seat, whatever it is, homework, deciding not to get into the power struggle. And the next step is then, right? He's in a stress response. I'm in a stress response. And I can't expect my child to regulate at that point. You know, it's then on me, right? So now we're taking our own self-responsibility in this one little, you know, micro moment. I might need to step up and soothe myself. And soothing is kind of like a coping mechanism, but at that, there's a lot of soothing that needs to happen early on when your inner child wounds are being activated in that way. And all every time a parent gets upset with their child, you know, almost every time, 99% of the time, it's your inner child wound. It's, it's a trauma wound. It's a pain from the past that's being felt in the present. So the parent that can then see that as, okay, this is me feeling the hurt that I experienced as a child, or maybe as a teenager or a young adult, but in the past happening now, and I'm deciding, you know, not to get into this power struggle. Maybe it's, it focuses on the behavior of the child, but I know I need to do my own soothing and self-regulation here in this moment if I want my child to change their behavior, because they're not going to be able to do it on their own. They're just not. And if you continue the pattern of like, do this because I said so, or I'm going to take something away, more punitive, it's going to continue to, I mean, a lot of, a lot of kids will fall into the fawn, you know, people pleasing and they'll just do it. But then they're holding on to what you're holding on to, what you don't want them to hold on to. They're holding on to the fear and the anger and the shame and the, you don't want that. Right. So so it's a lot of, you know, journaling in the beginning. And then my mantra was like, okay, I'm, um, I'm going to just try to soothe, try to soothe my, my, you know, feeling if you can, like I'm ready to scream, you know, I'm feeling it in my hands. I worked a lot with my hands actually in the beginning. So I would like maybe massage my hands. I used a lot of like putting my hand here on my chest. You know, sometimes you walk away, some cold therapy, like splashing cold water in your face, but it needs to be you tending to yourself so that you can co-regulate and so that you can support their stress response. Um, but those are maybe some practical tools that would help, but it depends again on how everybody who's listening, where they are in their journey. You know, some people are maybe further along and they're um, maybe working on some emotional maturity or emotional um, or really conflict resolution skills but for the most part if you once you decide like pick that one thing to change it's gonna have to be supporting your physiological state it's a state change in the moment right it's not a time to like process and like let out your anger which needs to happen, but not in the time where you're trying to like support your child because yeah, the crying, the talking back, the not listening, the saying no, even, even to a child, just basically saying, stating like, no, I don't want to do that. Or even like, no, I'm not doing that. But that they have a right to say no. I mean, they have a right because it's their, their body, their life, their boundary. 
But we hear that as, and we, our body automatically goes into fight flight yeah. because it's our conditioning. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's so tricky, but I would say like, you know, those three elements would be at least practical tools you can put into practice right away, like tangible things, yeah. whether, you know, have, having a little bit of writing or maybe you pray to God or whatever it is, and just writing down, getting out of the mess of your mind, writing down, this is my devotion, like car seat. I'm not going to, you know, yank him in and push him in the car seat. I'm not going to yell at him. So how then next, what tool am I going to use? Like have your ice water with you, have your grounding anchoring practice, whatever it is that's going to help support you through that stress response. So. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And yeah, I'm already thinking like, hmm, because <laughs> the biggest thing uh -huh. at the moment with my eldest is screens and the pushback that I get with turning them off. Um, the screen, yes. Yeah, that's, that's a huge fun. one. And even last yeah. night, it ended up like exploding. Mm. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, he just doesn't want to get off it. So it's just, yeah, I'm already thinking of like what, you know, what I can do, like decide. I'm like, I'm going to do this practice afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, right. that self-soothing. Like for me, it's like, yeah, placing my hand on my heart, like just rubbing like that space, mm -hmm. mantras or something I tap into. And they can just be so short, like you're saying, I'm deciding. So like it can just be like a couple of words just as that sort of reminder to sort of, mm -hmm. you know, even shift you out of that Um that urge I suppose to go yeah. into yelling or like you know you go back and forth you're like I'm arguing with a nine-year-old like what's going on here <laughs> exactly exactly but it's just such an unconscious it feels natural and normal you're like yeah I know I'm supposed to be yelling like it feels like you need to do that it just comes out and it feels so natural and to do that um but it's really not the natural state and it's not the way in which humans are meant to really function with each other um, in that way, right? So, but yeah, screens are, yeah, definitely a tricky part, right? So my children are, especially two of my children are highly sensitive and they have, um, you know, not, I never took them to get diagnosed for anything, but I see the the symptoms and the patterns and the behaviors of certain um, challenges, so with screens especially are super challenging because there's, you know, I, I just had a limit, you know, I, I personally, you know, you decide as a parent, like where your boundaries are, like we limited a lot, but there had to be a lot of co-regulation when you turn off the screen, you know, a yeah. lot of preparation with like the timer could be good, but it was a lot of um, just me using multiple different tools to facilitate the, okay, we're turning it off now and and we're moving on yeah. to something else yeah mm -hmm. yeah time is yeah. sometimes work but then it's like I just want to finish this I just want to like Fine. yeah but mm -hmm. uh yeah similar yeah. similar to you my my eldest like he hasn't been diagnosed with anything but um yeah, yeah. I see a lot of yeah sensitivities yeah. and things various things and we do yeah. have limitations but you know it's yeah. it's a work in progress <laughs> yeah because they also have a right to express you know yeah. I mean they're annoyed I don't want to stop but you know at what point you know obviously we want to bring um a little more ease and and flow with it if, you know you need to work within your own capacity your child has nervous system capacity we have nervous if you don't have the capacity to hear your child's no or to hear the whining and crying then you might need to use other tools like maybe just 
dis distraction or something or using play is obviously a, a really important one or just meeting their basic physiological needs like with hugs or food or water or movement um, because they're they have a right maybe to be upset but sometimes for the parent they're just like they, they don't have the capacity I remember those moments so much I was like I could not stand you know the sound of the whining or the crying or the or the fighting whatever it might be or the mom you know even if it's a basic like no I want to watch more you know that put me in my own stress response I felt like super threatened by that so I knew I needed to have multiple tools in place yeah for sure for sure <laughs> yeah. um so I guess with, with yourself what have you found to be or noticed and there might be a few things the biggest change that you've seen within your own family dynamics and environment after going through this yourself and going from like feeling really stressed overwhelmed burnt out to having more of a peaceful home environment and feeling more connected with your kids like what what have you found to be the biggest thing that you've noticed in your home yeah um it's absolutely the joy just joy and bliss you know you think peacefulness is like you think oh la -di -da, like rainbows unicorns <laughs> you know it's, it's not like life is not that because we have different we're different people you have different ideas you're going to get into conflict you're going to have to um problem solve you know we were just playing uno earlier and like my one daughter wanted to play with just me and then my other daughter wanted to play all of us so it's like people see the world differently um and they're going to not agree on certain things but uh, we found and I love seeing that transformation with the families that I work with is just the inexplicable joy that can come up from doing this work it's yeah. like joy and bliss and you have fun. You know, we only have this one life to live. Like this is in this moment. You don't know what the next second is going to bring, what the next moment is going to bring, what tomorrow is going to bring. So we want to be here in, in gratitude, in awe, in enjoyment of this life that you're blessed to have. So I feel like that has been extraordinary to see that in our own experience here at home. Um, in my home and then working with other families, you know, just having, you know, when a mom comes to me or, or family, a couple or, or children, and it's like, you hear the, the heartache and the, the frustration, the anger and the, the guilt. Um, it's like, we know their vibration is so low and it's not how you're meant to function again. So, so to see that openness, right. To see that, um, and the, the certainty that when there is a challenge, when there is something happens that unex, that's unexpected or a, a conflict or something even more intense, that we're certain that um, we will be able to be resilient and be loving through it and supportive of one another um, and just be able to kind of see the trajectory of how this kind of pattern of health and wellness and healing is going to empower, like, what is that um, legacy you're going to leave for your child? Like, what will your child have in their teen years, adult years? What will they pass down to their children? So that that's also, you know, a second part of that is like in the moment, it's it's so much more relaxed and joyful um and so you know you're moving up like the scale of consciousness to that to that place of just you know 
joy and gratitude and bliss. But then thinking about the future, if you were to put your, you know, self in the future of like, what do you want most for your kids? I love that part too. I just love the fact that nobody's perfect. You know, they're obviously still going to have their insecurities or doubts, but that's part of being a human. So giving them the tools to be able to navigate that, where yeah. it's like, oh, I hear this myself talking about, you know, having this, this negative thought, or I have a breakup, or I get fired, or um, I have this sense of rejection. They know how to support themselves through it, that it doesn't, they don't identify with it, so that they know that they're always worthy, they're always valued, um, and can be amazing, like positive contributing members of society so I think that part too is like really really yeah. cool yeah yeah I love that you touched on that because it is about yeah thinking about what you know how do I want my kids to be able to function when they're older you know what what tools do I want to be able to pass on to them so that yeah. they can navigate the many challenges yeah. the ups and downs the ebbs and flows of life um yeah. because it's not always just like rainbows and unicorns of course um but it's how we can actually you know build that window of tolerance and their capacity to be able to handle different situations that come at them yeah. now and in, in, in the future um yeah. for sure um I just wanted to ask you a couple more questions if that's okay yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah I'd love to know what is one of your favorite ways to connect with your kids and to sort of strengthen that bond um mm-hmm. between your yeah, it's a, I love that question too. And it's, it's such an, like an evolution of moving through life experiences um, and their developmental processes, processes and phases. Um, I would say mostly it's like tapping into their current interests and passions is the best way to, is one of the best ways to connect is um, getting curious and showing obviously that interest in what they're interested in with that open compassion, curiosity, maybe you don't like, um, you know, there needs to be, obviously there might be limits or boundaries with who they're hanging out with or what kind of, uh, cultural influences they're being exposed to with TV and books and movies and music and things like that. But if they're interested in something, um, you know, when it's a sport like soccer, you know, just asking questions, obviously maybe, can you teach me what you've learned? Can you show me a little bit about that playing with them in that capacity, right? Instead of always just like telling them what to do like telling them you know to get your cleats you got to get to soccer practice or saying like why were you late and um are you sure you're ready kind of doubting them it's coming from this place of like I want to get to know you um I you matter and you're you make sense and you're important yeah. so that in and of itself is is a nice way um, you know, just kind of taking even if it's, and I know, I know like, or especially early on when you have multiple children and you're breastfeeding and you have no sleep, you have like literally zero capacity or your survival brain, you don't want to do those things. And you don't, you don't want, you have little to no capacity to play or to even smile. You know, I remember those moments. So making again, that kind of commitment to yourself, like, I'm just going to take, maybe it's, two minutes, maybe just two minutes to go and, and 
kind of smile and and roll the dice and and play a little game with your child or um you know your, your teenager comes home and they don't really want to talk maybe just like knocking on their door maybe slipping a note under their door like a little love letter to them just a little tiny micro movements that are going to be enough you know telling yourself like that's enough um but like in addition to that right now I know that um because of my my practice as the embodiment coach as a somatic coach is the importance of our physical connection and embodying practices of, you know, when my nervous system is supported and soothed, that's going to create their nervous system that is one of regulation and balance and homeostasis and health. Um, obviously, how that impacts your gut health and your brain health and all of the different organs and systems. So for us right now, a lot of times it's just like, Gent, um, gentle touches or just soft, like, can I hold your hand? Can I rub your back? Can I touch your feet? Um, obviously consent-based communication for us. It's like, can I hold you? So sometimes it's just like, that's one of my favorite ways. You know, my daughter's sitting there, she's nine, she's reading a book on the couch. You know, maybe she wants some quiet, but I haven't really checked in with her during the day. I'll just be like, Hey babe, can I come sit with you for a little bit? Um, you know, can I rub your back or just words of affirmation, like, oh, I love sitting with you, expressing that kind of, and again, you know, sometimes we put like this little practice is like, oh, I don't have time. Or maybe you're saying, telling yourself, I don't want to. Sometimes it's just like, I don't want to do this. But you know, again, like this is changing the new neural network of your brain and body. Is it possible like, can, is there a little possibility that you can make it happen? Even if it feels inauthentic and like you don't want to do it, you can make it happen. And that's building the new neural network. So I know to answer your question, right? It's like play that interest. And just for us, it's like kind of some nice physical touch and connection mm. um, is, is really nice way to connect. Yeah, I love that. And I totally relate sometimes like, oh man, I'm like, I, an example was the other night, my son, there's this particular board game. Well, it's called a burrito game. And anyway, long story okay. short, you have two burritos okay. and there's different things and you end up throwing them at each other and having to get the yeah. other person. And I really don't like playing it. Oh, okay. yeah. I was like, can we play something else, please? I'm like, I don't really like this. And then he's like, no, come on, mom. So I ended up playing it and like had the best time. Like we were laughing. Yeah. And so Aww. I was just like, oh, yeah. like, goes yeah. to show that you can be so resistant towards something and then it just ended up being this beautiful connection yeah. that we had and joy that's and awesome. laughter. So right. it's good so to cool. touch on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we put limits on ourselves, which is which is important too. Sometimes you're like, nope, I'm not going to do it. And that you have a right to say that you have your own boundaries. But again, it's like if your goal is to repair wounds, to repair ruptures and to build a secure attachment, then those little changes are really important, right? And maybe it is. It's like, oh, I'll play that game. And then can you do something like with mommy that mommy likes or something like that? Yeah, yeah for sure. Oh, I, I, it sounds like my kids would love that or, you know, such a weird game. So just one final question. So we've spoken about how or ways that um, you love to connect with your kids and to sort of strengthen that bond. But what's something that you do for yourself to connect within? What's something you are currently doing that you're really loving and that's really helping you? Mm, yes. Yeah. So 
Hmm. It was hard. You know, I, I feel like I always kind of was somewhat aware of wanting to be the best version of myself, try to improve, learn, grow, take care of myself. Um, but, you know, once kids came around, there was all obviously like I was operating a lot from that survival brain from fear. So, so much focus on them. It was hard for me to take that time and maybe say, no, I'm not doing this. Ask for help. I kind of, again, I was controlling. I was perfectionist. So um, for me, it was literally just though a lot of movement because of my state. My pattern was that fight um, having more of, I wasn't always like shut down. I was more of like wanting to control, um, wanting, and I got angry, um, or irritated or frustrated or just needed to, yeah, micromanage. So I always felt like I was like, I needed the movement. So, um, part of it was, was allowing myself to say, yes, I'm going to do this for myself. Like go for a run, lift some weights, um, dance music um really doing and and having supports in place helps with that a lot of times though if I didn't have support from to do it on my own um I just gave myself permission to like turn the tv on the kids are there playing and I'll take 20 minutes to be able to um, do something for myself so it evolved into more of down regulation because once I study, you know, learned about my pattern, I needed to down regulate a lot. So now my favorite things are just sometimes just literally laying in like a downward dog position on my yoga mat. Some of the that's sometimes one of my favorite, most favorite things to do because um, it just kind of completely drops my my system down and grounds and anchors. Sometimes just laying on the earth. Um, but that's something that I do that really, I feel like grounds me in addition to, um, like just going to my bed, my eye mask, my earplugs, my fuzzy blanket. So sometimes it's a movement. And then a lot of times, like I went into a pattern where it was a lot of down regulation and a lot of me, um, kind of cocooning, hibernating. Um, for those moms out there or parents or children who are highly sensitive, I always recommend earplugs because tight, tough, certain times of day, maybe even in the morning, but certain times of transition, like with dinner time, with bedtime, I would walk around with one earplug in or sometimes both earplugs where I could yeah, still I do that. Hear. I've got my headphones yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. You can still hear, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, I, I do feel that. like those little things are super nourishing for me. You know, for me, that was super nourishing. Um, yeah. But yeah, and just trying my best to um, to just eat good foods. Like teas were really nice for me um, for a long while. They still are. But I think just for, you know, mentally, it was me saying out, getting out of my people-pleasing good girl conditioning and just yeah. me giving myself permission permission like I deserve this I yes. have a right to feel good right now so instead of trying to make it work with like cleaning the kitchen getting dinner on the table like if I was feeling annoyed by something or overstimulated I was like I deserve to feel good right now I deserve to relax right now and I would just give myself that permission say yes I'm overstimulated yes, I'm annoyed right now, just saying yes to all of what I was feeling and saying, 
I need quiet. Like I need rest and just giving myself that permission to go to my room. And literally sometimes it was only 60 seconds I had, but you can always make that decision to go do it. Like you can, in, once you start really seeing yourself in your pattern and really making that, you can be more decisive. Like I'm yeah. doing this for myself. And I knew I only had 60 seconds literally, or else, you know, the kids were still crying or whatever, but I would go and ground in my bedroom in one of those ways I just shared yeah. like, and it would be rejuvenating for me as much as I possibly can to get, you know, to move through the next 30 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, very much relate to a lot of that and, and yeah. those things as well myself, uh-huh. <laughs> especially that sort of that, the witching hour at nighttime, you know, when you're trying yeah. to get dinner and the kids are going wild and yeah. there's lots of noise and yeah. like headphones are going on while I'm cooking dinner. Sometimes I don't even put anything on. Sometimes I'll listen to just some music, but sometimes it's just, yeah. just to mute the noise a bit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sends that signal to your system that you're safe. You're okay. You're safe. You're okay. It really does help. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all your wisdom and your story. It's been an absolute pleasure and I have no doubt that um, listeners will gain so much from from hearing about you and your work and um, your journey through motherhood and all all the ups and downs that we go through. Um, If anyone's wanting to work with you or connect with you, what's the best way that they can do that? Yes, thanks for asking. Thanks for having me here. It's such a pleasure. I would love to connect with anybody um, on the receiving end listening from your community. And um, you could find me on Instagram. It's Erica underscore Kesselman. You can go to my website, ericakesselman.com, and you can also find me on Facebook. So, uh, yeah, I encourage you to absolutely reach out. Um, I, I'd be happy to schedule a free consultation so that we can get really clear on you know, where you're feeling stuck and where you want to be, and I can help point you in the right direction. Um, definitely have a um, some bunch of free resources. You can join my Facebook group that I have some weekly uh, tutorials, trainings, workshops, and I have guests in there as well um, sharing their wisdom and resources. So thank you so much, Monique, and I do look forward to hopefully some more collaboration with you. We were just saying that, um, you know, friends of, of mine over here in the States have a podcast, so we'd be happy to have you as a guest there. And um, it's amazing that the work that you do. And I'm, oh, I'm so you. thankful, like genuinely so, so appreciative and thankful for um, communities like the one that you created, um, women like you who are so inspiring to help support each other. I mean, that's what it's all about. We all need support through this the journey of motherhood and just life itself when we're trying to lead one another and live more abundantly in a new way you know kind of creating that new way forward that has not been our pattern for for many generations yeah for sure and i'll pop all your details in the show notes as well just so it's easily accessible for everyone um but thank you again and um i'll speak to everyone on next week's episode (laughs) see you Bye. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into another episode of Beyond Motherhood. If you'd like to stay connected with me and be more in my world, you can head on over to Instagram at Monique Bathurst. Check out the show notes for all other information and details. And thank you again for taking the time to tune into the podcast. I truly appreciate you. 
If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out on the socials or drop them in the Q&A below. Have a blessed week ahead, beautiful.